On this week's episode of the We've Seen That Podcast, we're talking about Whiplash. I'm Scott. I'm Anthony. And I'm Jim. the music we are back for our second episode of 2021 and our 17th total is that correct yes That's right and special guest appearance it would seem anthony is back <laughs> i am back a little one week hiatus thank you guys for picking up the slack um we'll try not to have a repeat in the future but again, no promises. You never know what might spring up the night before. It was New Year's. It was. I I, ga- <laughs> I gave you that excuse. You, it was fine. Um, I I wanted to like give an actual text I got from Anthony. Um, it, it, let me let me pull this up because I think. Oh God, I really. Not that I was that blackout, but I honestly don't know what this is gonna say. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, because like as soon as you got as soon as you got up. It, oh, I think, so when I woke up? Yeah, you you just said, um, ah, where is it? No, it was to me. It just directly said, "Oh man," and like, <laughs> and that's when, that's when I knew. And it was at ten thirty in the middle of our recording. That was when I was like, "Okay, my thoughts of what happened with Anthony here were definitely accurate." So, um, like I said, I don't want to go too hard on him though, because I imagine at some point I'm gonna be in in over my head and head in the toilet at some point so i don't it, you know it happens to the best of us maybe, exactly you know? sometimes we're you just only, can't drag your ass out of bed we're only I'm human just, yeah i mean that's the beauty of having three of us you know yeah the two two other people we can always pick up the slack and we're more than willing to do it so like i said i appreciate you guys for filling yeah. in the blanks last yeah. week Thank absolutely you. with that um we're gonna just start with what we're watching and anthony let's go to you first all right, so over the weekend here, well, like on Friday, uh, Taylor and I, we watched the movie Long Shot, uh, 2019 movie. We went and saw it in theaters when it came out. Um, it's directed by Jonathan Levine, and it stars uh, Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen. Super funny, like a almost like a satire movie, probably on like the political spectrum. Um, Charlize Theron plays like Charlotte Field, who's the Secretary of State. Um, and Bob Odenkirk plays the president of the United States, but he's stepping down, not going to run again for re-election. Instead, he's going to try and star in movies. And so he endorses uh, Charlotte Field to run as president, and um, Seth Rogen comes along as her like writer to kind of make her seem a little more personable. Um, but they knew each other from the past. They grew up next to each other and she used to like babysit for him actually. And it's just really funny. Like she was 16 and he was 13 at the time. So it's just like awkward, but he obviously had a crush on her like his whole life. And so they kind of like, you know, travel around the world endorsing her as president. And he's like, right, writing stuff for her. But there's a lot of funny stuff along the way, but a good movie. If you guys ever have time to watch it and just looking for something fun to, to check out. Yeah. I feel, I feel like, um, 
as as bad as some Seth Rogen movies have been, I've always been on the side of I think he's hilarious. Um, so th- with those three actors you just named alone, I'm I'm in right, right yeah. off the bat. There. It's pretty funny, like you know they they do a lot of jokes about like just you know politics in general and like one scene she gets like you know she goes out to a party with him and like does like molly and then they they call her and say she has to negotiate like a some other country caught one of their spies and she has to negotiate a hostage like saving and she's it's just hilarious it's a good movie i recommend it i'd probably give it like a six out of ten like a good comedic you know not too much to it um just kind of what exactly what you're looking for that that perfect description for that would be like probably how you felt last weekend maybe hung over a little bit pop that movie on the tv it's yeah per- so it's that would be a that. Hangover movie. perfect sunday afternoon movie exactly yeah. all right jim let's go to you what were you watching Alrighty, so Angie and I have watched uh, two shows. The first thing we did is Netflix has the first two seasons of ink master which used to be on spike oh. um it's the competition show hosted by Dave Navarro, Oliver Peck, and Chris Nunez, where people come in from across the country and they compete in tattooing people. It's been surprisingly really cool. Um, I didn't think it was something Angie was going to be interested in. I just put it on while she happened to be in the room one day. And we cranked out two seasons of it in like three weeks. Um, and it goes really quick. Uh, the fact that they're old seasons from like 2012 doesn't really affect the viewing of the show the only annoyance is netflix only has the first two seasons the rest of them are on like paramount network or some random streaming service no one's ever heard of and i just want netflix to get the rest of them we were so upset when we finished season two because we were ready to roll right into season three correct me if i'm wrong but uh is this a tattoo free podcast i believe i don't that. have any i don't either so Watching the show, Jim, did it make you want to get a tattoo? I mean, I've always kind of wanted to get one. I just don't quite know what it would be. And it would be, you know, they're, they're obviously quite permanent. So need to make a appropriate decision before uh, doing that. And also they're expensive, right? Yeah. Just bought yeah. a house. So it's like we're not spending money on such things. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like every single person who's ever like had a tattoo and their suggestion to me of what to get, I'm constantly like, why, why on earth would I get that on my butt? But like, I've thought of a couple things before, but the thought usually lasts about two weeks and I've got that same rule of like, it's supposed to last for like a year if you actually want to get it or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, maybe someday. Maybe maybe once we get to 100,000 subscribers, I'll get tatted the We've Seen That podcast like right on my pack right here. Hey, I'll do that if we hit 100,000 listeners. Yeah, declaration. We, we The the pod will get a shared tattoo if we get 100,000 listeners. Anthony, are you Anthony's man? face is just If falling. we get 100,000 listeners, I will get a tattoo with you boys live. Yes, yeah. we'll do it live. Absolutely. Recorded from the tattoo shop. Okay, absolutely. It looks um, like we're getting a tattoo in the future. Just those shows always interest me, Jim. So like they obviously have like I'm gonna say canvas, but like the people that like come in and they tattoo like so they you must obviously have to sign something, but then you just get like a free tattoo. Yeah, I'm assuming it is these free, but like if it sucks, it sucks. You know, mm-hmm. and that would but that would just I don't know. Do they like purposely bring on people that like like contestants that aren't as good like the contestants all need to apply and they have like 
a background in tattooing, but like they have every range of like this one guy who did three years of tattooing after he got out of prison, and that's his entire experience to people who have been tattooing for 20 plus years. Sure. So like that's a weird like combination of people, but also they need to apply to be on there. However, the ones who win like do amazing looking tattoos. Right. That's what's like always like, I feel like the people that joining these shows should be like already pretty good. So I'm always amazed when they, they have just some people that look just terrible, but I feel like it's kind of like American Idol. They always throw like some just horrible contestants in there to keep it entertaining, you know? Right, and both of the first two seasons for the very final tattoo that they're being judged on for the finale, those uh, canvases, they call them, like you said, come in and they allow the tattoo artist to do literally anything. The person getting tattooed does not get a say in what goes on them. And that, to me, is the most, like, wild commitment thing because, like, uh, in the first season, they didn't have much of a budget, so they only did, like, a six-hour tattoo or something. But in the second season, clearly off of the success of season one, they sent the tattoo artists home and their canvases would then fly out to meet them. And they did four six-hour sessions on one tattoo. So a 24-hour tattoo. This one guy did like an entire thing that took up a dude's entire back. And it's like, if you don't fucking like that, too bad. That's what you (laughs) signed on for. no shit. (laughs) That's crazy. And just to go off that a little bit, the world that we live in now, previous life, I did a little bit recruiting where I met with a lot of younger younger people uh, than me. I'm still very young. But, like, the questions that start to get asked nowadays compared to when I feel like, I don't know, when when I was looking for a job, I've had probably, like, 25% of people at some point ask about either a gauge like a neck tattoo something like that of like is that gonna hurt me in getting a job and like my my honest answer at first is no but like realistically speaking if you see someone with like a a full neck tattoo isn't aren't you still probably like uh i don't know i guess the thing is like i'm distracted and i want to see what's on their neck (laughs) right right so i it's but it's weird it's not weird it's it's probably good that it's becoming to a point where people are comfortable asking those questions as opposed to like instead just showing up like with full gauges in like your all your piercings in at an interview they're just kind of like is it cool if i wear this so i don't know the final step of that progression should just be that they don't need to ask it's just fine you know yeah exactly exactly Um, because i know when i got my job at our previous employer I had I have my ears pierced and I didn't wear earrings the entire Holy length shit. of the interview or my uh, what or the entire time I worked there. Well, you have your, I need come on we need to see it. <laughs> I, I mean, what do you want? There's tiny little holes in my ear. Jim, that is the most shocking thing I have found out about you. I cannot believe this. Yeah, no, I wore earrings from about the time I was 16 until I was basically 21. Right, so you're when we a got bad motherfucker. Hmm? Like you, you, you were a bad motherfucker. You, I mean, you cleaned up. You said it. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I feel like we need a picture for the pod. I'll find one. I got some, but I also no, used to but... wear really long Justin Bieber hair. <laughs> so are they closed now, or are, is it? Are they still in commish? Uh, there's still holes there. I don't know if they go all the way through. I'll have to Dude, try. I need to find my earrings first. I'm not. Can't say current employer, but how badass would that be if you wore, like, a cross earring to said job? I mean, oh, come on. Cross earring? No, I just had really big, like, fake diamond ones. Um, 
and in various colors. And then my mom actually got me a nice pair of like holy shit diamond earrings, which were sweet. Um, unbelievable. Okay, sorry for the sidetrack, Jim. Did you have another what we're watching? I do have a second one, and this is about as opposite of the spectrum as you can get from Ink Master. Angie started watching, and I sat down maybe a third of the way into the first episode, a new show on Netflix called Bridgerton. It's by Shonda Rhimes of Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, and Grey's Anatomy fame. It's Uh. based upon a series of romance novels about the Bridgerton family. Um, There's eight books. Each one is about how each child in, like, uh, 19th century England gets married off, because that's what you do. And they're, like, an affluent family. And it's definitely a romance. And honestly, I watched like the first three episodes with her and I really enjoyed it. Like there's lots of really sly comments and sarcastic comments about like what men and women who are proper are supposed to do. Um, And how Shonda Rhimes is driving the show and saying like these rules are absolutely ridiculous. You know, people should just be able to do what people want to do. And I thought it was cool. I enjoyed quite a bit. And she's already finished season one. Uh, there's no other seasons out yet, but I'm sure based on the success, uh, it'll continue going. But the male lead apparently is uh, in talks to be the next uh, James Bond. Ooh. Wow. And he's he said no one's contacted him. Um, <laughs> let Keep me see if I can find his name super fast. Yeah, I mean, while you're looking, I think that those shows that you just mentioned scandal and how to get away with murder those are those are some big time shows and also um i absolutely love how to get away with murder so big scott endorsed to that show if you haven't seen it check it out um but the guy they're looking at for james bond is named Roger jean page mm. and i mean hmm. i could see it it'd be good um but yeah he said no one's talked to him and he said i think Anytime you do anything of substance and you're British, everyone starts saying you should be the next James Bond. Right. That's fair. So Idris Elba, probably his name will be tossed out more than likely. It's been continuously tossed out ever since Daniel Craig said he wanted to be done. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, let's transfer to my what we're watching. Uh, I watched a very interesting documentary called Taken at Birth. And boy oh boy this is a wild story but basically there was a doctor in the 50s and 60s his name was uh doctor i don't you know lost it had it lost it but um he basically would he he did a couple of things one he would go to women's houses to do in-house abortions because at the time they weren't legal so you couldn't do that at the hospital i believe this was in tennessee or georgia one of the two but he also was uh, he he also was a doctor that helped give birth. Uh, well, not you know what I mean. What what is a doctor like that? Obstetrician. Called? Uh, yes, what Jim said. And <laughs> and um, he he at times would when when the women would give birth, he'd say the babies were stillborn and and they they died at birth. But the reality is, dude was taking these babies and selling them on the black market. Like he and they were alive. So. You have like 200 people who have no idea who their birth parents are because they their birth parents were told that the babies died. But like to get to the bottom of what all, you know, who their family is and whatnot, they, the doctor's name was Dr. Hicks. They first broke into a mausoleum where it was said that he was buried, but he wasn't buried. And when they opened it up, there was a search warrant in there 
because that's where they thought like the records of all these people's actual families were but somebody in like the 70s put that search warrant in the mausoleum and sealed it shut and then they dig up dr hicks's actual fucking body like straight from the ground and then uh, take a piece of his femur and his heel and his toe to see if they can get dna matches with some of these babies wild wild show that feels very much so like the true crime podcast i'm missing in my life right now it, it's it's good it's it's uh three about one hour and 15 minute episodes so you're, it's you only it's only about a four hour commitment um and let me tell you i'm a sucker for anything that kind of involves like uh breaking in for something for potential buried treasure and or like digging up a grave to find like some sort of treasure map i you know i'm i'm a big time treasure hunter lover you know national treasure movies don't get enough respect in my opinion um but yeah i'm i'm all for like that secret finding kind of stuff i remember in sixth grade we watched a video of breaking into like a pyramid in egypt and when they broke into it they just found another thing that they had to break into and they still haven't broken into that other one so i'm still hoping that'll happen someday but yeah it's an interesting show um I don't know if I would say it's like life changing by any stretch, um, but a, a little, a small recommend on that one. Did you say whether it was streaming? Uh, Hulu, it's on Hulu. Sweet. Which, which I, Cassie and I have had Hulu for a while. It's another one of those where I had a free month, forgot to cancel, got another month, um, and I'm starting to like Hulu more than Netflix. Just gonna throw that out there. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. Maybe the only reason I have Hulu is because we do our live TV through Hulu. We dumped oh, okay. cable and did that instead. Um, quick, quick pod hate here. Quick, I'm I'm pissed off at YouTube TV, Hulu TV, Fubu, all of them. Fox Sports Wisconsin not streaming on any of those right now. Nope. So I am I can't watch Bucks games, which is no, bullshit. Can't. It's unreal. It's unreal. I'm just gonna say that my piece is done. But. Yeah, and anyway. we're very upset that that's missing. Yeah, from my slated channels. Jim's pissed. I know he is. <laughs> but um, well, and the prices just continue to rise. Yeah, the yeah. price went up, and they took shit away. It's 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 actual bullshit. But anyway, <laughs> to transition, we got the hype horn. Hey. All right, Jim. What are we getting hyped about? Um, actually, you know what? Can I lead this off? I, fine. <laughs> Um, serve it up to me and take it away that's fine so i wanted to talk about wandavision which is a new um gonna be a streaming series on disney plus uh it's coming out january 15th i think we deemed was their two episode premiere have you guys seen the trailer for this i saw the teaser like probably last year um it's interesting it it's basic okay so who are these two superheroes because i'm not great with the names so you got red it's guy scarlet witch and vision scarlet uh, her witch name is vision. wanda like her actual first name hence wandavision okay so that would make sense um it's basically like they're stuck in some sort of um like 60s or 50s sitcom or something it, and see now it seems that each episode is going to have a different theme so like uh, yeah she is supposedly one of the most powerful characters in the MCU. Like, she's got this supernatural ability and she can, like, change timelines, like, similar to Doctor Strange did in his movie. Um, not sure how she got these powers, because that's my 
lack of understanding. Vision was created in the second Avengers movie, I believe, um, to fight Ultron, right? So he's based upon the Jarvis program that Tony Stark wrote and then given life through one of the Infinity Stones. At the end of Infinity War, we see Thanos pull the stone out of his head and he's been killed. So the last we've seen of him, he's dead. So now this is some sort of parallel universe thing that they're trapped in. Right. Yeah, I'm 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 intrigued for sure. I'll probably give it a watch considering it's on Disney Plus and I have said streaming service. Uh, but I just wanted to mention that because I don't think we talked about that in our Marvel reveal of all the all I I, I saw a YouTube video today that was 25 minutes long. That's all the trailers for Marvel stuff coming to Disney. So I should probably watch that at some point. Um, but. All right. Okay, well, so oh, yeah, go ahead, Jim. Anthony. What else are we? What else are we looking at here? Because I don't know much about these these next couple movies, so I'm interested. Okay, well, the first one is the next Disney movie. It's animated, but it's not a Pixar. Um, is Raya and the Last Dragon it will be coming to Disney Plus very soon? I want to say within the next month. Um, but you're gonna have to pay for it, like with Mulan. That's unreal. I don't get it. Like. I think, oh, it's uh, release date is March 5. Sorry, I had to do some quick research there. Is um, release date for, for purchase is March 5? Yes. Um, we have to assume that it's going to be coming to free eventually, but maybe if it's more successful than Mulan, which many people are kind of considering that it will be, it'll stay in the paid category for longer. Hmm. I don't. I don't get it. I mean, they just released Soul for free smashing success like i what is the last dragon is this like a sequel to something that's already happened nope this is a original movie separate um i can get a synopsis here quick too okay yeah i guess i'm just not really super interested in something i have to pay probably what 30 dollars for yeah i think it's 30 bucks it's gonna be again it's insane yeah i'm already paying what what is disney plus like 5.99 a month yeah, and it depends upon like what deal you signed up versus under. some of the other ones. Yeah, it is cheap, and you can bundle it, I believe, with Hulu and ESPN Plus for like eleven ninety nine, and I think that's what I've got going right now. Well, and it sounds um, like Hulu and ESPN Plus may merge at some point too, God, because I, Disney just, owns them both. But anyway, I do have a synopsis everything. here. In a realm known as Kumandra, a reimagined Earth inhabited by a- by an ancient civilization. A warrior named Rhea is determined to find the last dragon. Mm. Uh, starring Kelly Marie Tran and Aquafina. So that's Rose from uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi and Aquafina from various things. I believe specifically Crazy Rich Asians she's in. Okay. I, and, and moving on. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of interested in a dragon movie because... I've, I mean, how can you not like dragons? But I'm kind of more interested in a more modern dragon. I don't need to see an animated one. That doesn't really float my boat too much. So what, you'd rather see something live action plus CGI? Yeah, 100%. Because every single dragon in live action plus CGI is freaking cool. I mean, let's Anthony, let's Lately. go back. To, well, yes. Um, <laughs> what, what's that movie we used to watch all the time? Was it Reign of Fire? That's a great movie. I thought yeah. I was just going to talk about that. It's yeah. so underrated. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey bald with a huge beard. Are you kidding me? Also, there's Dragon Christian Bale it. and Christian Bale. It's a great yeah. cast. 
Yeah, I, I think that might be a little review we have to do at some point here. Maybe. I've never as been far as... it, so I hope we do it. Ooh. Oh, God. It is... It is... It's, it is what it is. I'm not going to say it's, like, a masterpiece, but it's so entertaining, though. I thought yeah. it was criminally underrated. Yeah. Kinda like, I'm like not it. saying I'd give it, like, an echelon score, but it's McConaughey and Christian Bale fighting dragons in a post-apocalyptic world. It's fucking awesome. How can you not? How <laughs> yeah. can you not? All right, Jim, what else do we got on the hype horn? Okay, so the last one we have here is Michael Keaton apparently will be making an appearance in the Flash movie as Batman. Oh, okay. So, I'm just so confused, Jim. I really don't have much to add because it's so hard to follow along at who they're gonna have playing Batman. Well, it's because they fucked it all up. (laughs) I just don't know. Because as last I heard, Affleck was like done, but now he might have an appearance. So here's what it kind of sounds like. In the DC continuity, there are 52 parallel universes called the multiverse. Uh, ben or uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman is all set on Earth two. Oh, and my and so all the stuff we've seen up to this point is set on Earth one. Oh. Um, <laughs> they did they? Well, this is kind of cool. If this is actually what they're, it is. This is like it confirmed. Is. They're like going with this. The, this it's rumored. Um, okay, because yeah. like so okay. in the Flash movie, Affleck will appear as Batman because they've done the team up movie Justice League, right? right? Earth One, correct? Yes, Earth One. And the Robert Pattinson thing, completely unrelated, right? Off in a separate parallel universe. But so the story that they're supposedly doing for the Flash movie is called Flashpoint. It's a big series in the comic books where Barry runs so fast he can travel through time. He goes back to stop his mom being killed, which is what motivated him to be a crime scene investigator which is where the accident happened that gave him superpowers. So he fundamentally alters the timeline and the universe. In this universe, instead of Bruce Wayne's parents being killed, Bruce is killed in the alley outside of the theater. His mom goes so insane that she becomes the Joker, and his dad becomes an alcoholic Batman, determined to stop this from happening to any other parents. And that supposedly is where Keaton. Keaton will be written in. He's not signed on for any additional movies, and specifically the Flash movie will be Affleck's last time as Batman. Wow. Okay, I think I think I'm for that, to be honest. That sounds awesome, kinda. It's pretty cool. Like there and there's some major stuff like the Flashpoint series though, condensing it down to one movie, there's some big lore there, like in this par- in this not parallel universe but separate timeline right so still earth 1 but separate timeline uh aquaman is married to mira but then he fucks wonder woman and so wonder woman comes in and kills mira and they're at war like the uh wow. amazons and the atlanteans and barry needs to then fix the timeline by like okay. running again and traveling through time so you're saying if they're able to pull this off in a movie, you're pretty hyped. It'd be super fucking cool, but there's so much there. I don't. I think this is bound to crash and burn. Yeah, yeah. but if if they screw it up, they have fifty other worlds that they could go to if they needed to. So it's <laughs> like they've written themselves plenty of room. I mean, yeah, but Marvel has a similar multiverse theory. I just don't understand it. Specifically okay. in DC, there's fifty-two parallel ones. 
that's awesome. I, I, I love that. You know, if we fuck this one up I and mean, we've got 50 more shots, that's pretty great. So. I mean, Warner Brothers right. is just going to keep fucking hammering comic book movies until people won't pay to see them anymore. Right. Yeah, and then I don't think that's ever going to happen. I, I'm, I'm pretty positive at this point comic book fans will watch movies till they die. I think that's a fair statement. I would, but you have the, there has to be a point where like Warner Brothers just cuts the DC losses and it's like we're not making fucking movies anymore. We screwed this up because that they point certainly was, have. That point was Batman versus Superman, and they plowed through that wall, Jim. I know they did. So I I really do think there's no movie they can make where if someone's like that's it, I'm done. I'm a big apologist for that movie. I still like it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move to our review. Um, <laughs> I have I had said on the previous podcast that this was some of your most important homework as a listener was to watch this movie. And I need to at first say that Anthony is the only reason I ever watched this movie is because of his recommendation. Originally, I had said The Dark Knight was the reason why I got into good movies. That is true. That is when I started like actually looking at what movies were nominated, whatever. But I would say the first recommendation where I was like, Anthony this guy knows some shit about movies, was Whiplash. Because the first time I saw it, I was just in absolute awe of how good this fucking movie was. Ever since, Anthony hasn't had a bad recommendation. So, <laughs> well, geez, first, that's quite the statement, Scott. Well, yes, but I think when you... got a lot to live up to, man, and recommend it. I know. But when he recommends to me, I think it's more like he knows I'm going to like it. So that's that, true that's helpful it's not like uh he's gonna throw a wild card out there at me and be like he might like this one he saves his recommends for very good movies so, if i'm not mistaken so this movie came out in 2014 correct um we'll get to that when jim does the synopsis but uh, we were probably was it christmas of 2015 maybe or a holiday where we were together and i was just absolutely shit-faced and talking about how great whiplash was. and that's and that's why i watched it it's amazing the evolution of christmases that we've had because <laughs> it has evolved into you and i just hammering the brandy slush and mm-hmm. just screaming about movies to talking people who don't movies. care exactly <laughs> it's like, pretty much it that's that's become a staple of kelsey christmas that and, i will never let go that's what I want it to be forever now. So, um, Jim, give us the rundown of the movie from the Internet Movie Database, please. Alrighty, Whiplash first premiered in 2014 uh, at a crisp 106 minutes. A promising young drummer enrolls at a cutthroat music conservatory where his dreams of greatness are mentored by an instructor who will stop at nothing to realize the student's potential. Written and directed by Damien Chazelle, starring Miles Teller, J.K. Simmons, and Melissa Benoist. Okay, before we start this, I have one quick story, and I know I've gone off the rails a lot on this pod so far, but this is important. I would like to say, about being a drummer, that I spoiled my own chance. Okay, fifth grade, let's rewind to when I was in fifth grade. Um, I had originally talked to my mom, I started a new school in a different city, and I had talked to my mom, and she had mentioned, you should sign up for percussion, and I was like, no, I don't want to benounce to me she signed me up herself right so i'm sitting in class one day and the music teacher comes in and goes scott you have your percussion lesson little 11 year old scott just goes no i don't and she walks (laughs) out the door so that's my quick story about how i 
could have became a drummer, but just chose to fucking not. The that only regret made you, like, I've ever fifty times cooler, man. I, I I agree, and the only regret I've actually ever had about not being a drummer was watching this movie, where I was like, you know, that would have been pretty, that would kind of been cool. But also at the same time, it's like the mental toll it takes on him. I made the right decision, so just wanted well, to say. I, the real I question called, is, was this teacher? a true fletcher or not absolutely not she would have said good job probably whatever i note i would have played so she's not she's not saying to people that she's gonna skull fuck the students or something so that that's just that's i didn't want to work for someone like that so um but let's open let's open this movie with uh you you basically just are introduced to miles teller right out the gate and he's practicing drums in what I would determine to be like somewhere in this school. I don't know if they ever mention what what's the school's name? Schaefer uh, Music Conservatory. Yes. So he's practicing in Schaefer. And as he's practicing, we're also introduced to J.K. Simmons. And, you know, I'm looking up something on my computer currently, and it literally just shut, shut itself off. So <laughs> someone carry for a second here while I get this thing back on. Well, J.K. Simmons comes in and asks uh, Andrew to do his rudiments or do some drills, I'm assuming is what those are, yeah. um, and asks him to do specifically a double-time swing beat, which I had never heard until this or known what it was until this. And, and actually, so when he introduces himself... Uh, my computer's working again, just to let you guys know. Uh, he He immediately says... Uh, do you know who I am? And he says, and Andrew Namens, who is the character that is played by Miles Teller, just goes, yes, and immediately just starts playing for him. He, he, he first asks him, why did you stop playing? So he immediately starts playing again, and then J.K. Simmons is just like, did I ask you to start playing again? <laughs> so right out the gate, he's just totally fucking with him. And, yeah, uh, the dialogue is fantastic in this opening scene. Like, yeah. you can tell he's super uncomfortable. That's Neiman. Um, and then Fletcher is just, like, really digging into him, like, from the get-go. Like, just calling him out on anything he does. And I just can already tell like, that these two are going to be just dynamic on screen the rest of the movie. Yep, and, and as Jim mentioned, he asked him to do a double-time swing. And, he, and he's kind of clapping it along for him, and he asks him to double it. And as he's trying to play faster, he looks up and he's gone. But J.K. Simmons walks back in and goes, "Oopsie, forgot my jacket," and just walks. <laughs> you gotta love that. I, I I think that's the first time you see that. Um, he's really just like mentally messing with Neiman the entire movie. And and I I would like to point out a theme here of the theme that I picked up. Every single line of dialogue, even though it may seem like J.K. Simmons is talking to the band. It seems to be 100% directed at Andrew. Every single one of them is is and and you can think of this in two ways. One, it's either that's the kind of effect he has on each musician of like it feels like he's talking directly to them, or he literally did see a spark in Andrew right from the start, and he is trying to push him the entire way through this movie. Um, well, well, there's plenty of examples we'll go through, but uh, we go right into the overture of this movie. I love it. I love the, I, I love the entire soundtrack of this movie, but just the kind of upbeatness of the initial as we're kind of going through the city. This movie did not spend a lot of money, okay? So, like, this is one of the few scenes you actually get of said city that they're in, which is New York. Uh, but 
yeah, I mean, th- this is kind of the only other type of uh, set that you get. They're in a movie theater, he and he's in a movie theater with his dad, and they pour raisinets into popcorn. I mean, this needs monsters. to be discussed. What is that? A terrible, terrible abomination. I and I, I love when uh, his dad's like, "Here, have some of the raisinets." He's like, "I don't like them. I just eat around them." And and his dad's like, "What's the matter with you?" So <laughs> we're introduced kind of right away to the fact that his dad's like a little bit weird. I guess I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but he's yeah. he's a strange guy. And that Andrew's somewhat awkward too. You know, his whole like interaction with the clerk or which is melissa benoist yeah nicole um when he's buying the popcorn you know he he's just a little awkward and doesn't really say much and he's just weird laughing so you can tell like he really cares about drumming but almost like to a fault he doesn't really have good people skills right and we'll expand on that as we go further in the movie um Right from, uh, also right from the start, uh, we are introduced to the uh, a kind of smaller level band that Miles Teller's in, uh, also in Schaefer, and you can hear one of the students say something along the lines of, as an, the other drummer walks in, oh, thank God you're here, we were really hurting with Naaman on the kit. And just to discuss that a little bit, are we thinking that Naaman was considered bad because he kind of modeled himself around trying to be great, but like these songs didn't require that? So maybe he tried to do a little too much in his lower level band a little bit, and that's kind of why like he wasn't respected whatsoever. I definitely think it's a like lack of opportunity to show actual skills, but like with most like skills like that you need to be able to show fundamentals which is what they're going to try and teach you in low-end band before you get into a higher band right so i mean it it feels like he needs to actually show up for that before he should move on you know right and uh his the the first chair ahead of him in this lower level band his name is Connolly. i don't have the actor that ryan ryan Connolly. um i don't have the actor because i really do think this movie is basically down to jk simmons and miles teller that's pretty also melissa i benoist benoist superwoman super really they're different girl sorry (laughs) Uh, from what jim would know she's in the supergirl show that's her Oh. oh okay What's the Supergirl show? It, well, it's called Supergirl, and it's yeah. about Supergirl. Supergirl. Understood. Okay. Well, yeah, and she's she's pretty talented in this movie, too, because I, I think there's a couple scenes with the dialogue with Miles Teller that it's really, it, it's solid. Um, but, so, we're also seeing in this first band rehearsal that, like, you can see J.K. Simmons, like, shadow outside of the door. And so, like... It's almost like he legit runs this entire band department because he's always, in a way, watching the talent, I guess. So you can't really have an off day, even if you're in the lower level band. Um, And then I'm actually going to skip right to the scene where he does come into this lower level band. I don't think I'm missing anything by going Mm -hmm. there. Um, But I love this scene because you're first introduced to the extreme character that J.K. Simmons um, plays. And the first thing he does is he reads the band, like, what song they're currently playing, and he looks at it and just goes, cute. And I think that's pretty funny. Uh, he has all 
each section of the band play notes. Uh, a couple of them, I think the trumpets sound horrible, and he l- immediately just goes, nope, that's enough. And then he gets to, I believe, the saxophone, and he says to a girl, your first chair, let's just see if it's because you're cute. And she starts playing for like two notes, and he goes, yep, that's why. Um, <laughs> so then he has, uh, I believe, I believe he has them both play a double-time swing. Is right. that what, yep, uh, Ryan and Andrew both play a double-time swing. And as he's walking out, he says, drums with me. And then Ryan gets up and he goes, no, not you, Andrew. And this is the first time you see Andrew's, like, total demeanor just turn around. It's like his life purpose is being served by getting an ounce of respect from this guy. So he, uh, J.K. Simmons tells him, come to band practice, I believe he says 6 a.m. Yeah, 6 a.m., sure. Don't be late. Yeah, right. So... Um, and that's and that's kind of like Andrew's first break to get into J.K. Simmons' band. Um, as this occurs, J- he as Andrew once again is at the movie theater, but this time he's not there to see a movie. He just straight up wants to ask this girl out, and yeah. he asks. It's 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 like well, he's feeling himself, com- right? Yeah, a hundred percent. You can tell he's like walking like chest up and just like you know. Yeah, He's it's like how got the confidence now to ask her out. It's how I feel when I wear a nice watch, if that's a good way to put a description <laughs> on it. Like you're like, you know what? I look good today. That's that's how I'm feeling. So just a little advice for everyone out there: wear a nice watch. You feel better. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, so so he tells him to go. You know, come at six o'clock. And first he asks this girl out, and she says, "Where are we gonna go?" And he goes, "Pizza." great first date selection is a good slice of pizza how can you not like that um so next morning miles teller wakes up at 603 and he freaks out that he's gonna be late so he starts sprinting to the band practice um and he gets there which seem and the place is completely empty um so he kind of just sits there for a while 9 a.m rolls around and everyone gets there so once again this is just jk simmons totally fucking with him like saying come at six o'clock and he does and he just sits there for literally three hours doing nothing it's 100 percent a power play like simmons is super pompous and by simmons i mean fletcher right because i think jk right. simmons is probably a cool dude um yeah and just wants to put andrew in his place immediately like i have all of the power in this relationship yeah um as soon as, so all the students start coming in and um i i wasn't going to sing single out this line but i think i'm going to right before band practice starts a guy literally just screams milk the cunt <laughs> i just like they all start practicing at that point who thought of that line I think I it wonder means, like, if... quit fucking around, you know? Sorry. Okay, yeah. I guess, but I've never heard it before. I mean, uh, I can't help but notice that um, I believe Damien Chazelle has a huge background in music himself, so I'm assuming that a lot of the dialogue and terminology in this movie is probably... Uh, maybe not that line specifically. That could just be something. But I guess you never know. I mean, maybe that's something that they do, you know, right before... They're supposed to, you know, begin rehearsing that, like, clears everybody out or, like, clears yeah. their, you know, I, I actually know. just found something on IMDb. It says that that, the line meant everyone play 
the note middle C so that we're all in tune and can match. Oh, okay. uh, and apparently okay, Miles so Teller tweeted this out is the source. That, man, I should start following Miles Teller, but that would have been back in 2014, I take it. Apparently he was had been a drummer since he was 15 years old, so like he was not yeah. wholly unprepared for this role. I was going to bring up that a lot of these scenes, uh, the drumming actually was Miles Teller. I think it was something around 40% was mm-hmm. actually his his actual drumming. Um, and even some of the blisters you'll see, some of the blood you'll see, that was also from Miles Teller. Um, but one important thing to note, when when Andrew was rehearsing with this older band, when the teacher came in, he didn't really demand a ton of respect. The students were kind of still fucking around a little bit. As soon as Fletcher walks in, everybody just stands up like they're literal soldiers and just wait for his direction. Um, The first thing he does say, though, is that we have a squeaker in the band today, and he's talking about Neiman. Um, So he's going to go easy on them a little bit. And then they start the the song Whiplash, uh, name of the movie. Hey-o. Um, but I did want to say Whiplash is such a, it's such a cool song. Mm -hmm. Like it really shows off every single instrument beautifully and once at each time. So as they're rehearsing this song, he stops the band and says, somebody is sabotaging my band because they're (laughs) out of tune. And, uh, this is just an incredible scene. He has each section play because he's thinking his ears deceived him. But then he finds the section, and I believe it's the, uh, is it the trombones? Yep. Is that? Okay. So he has each uh, trombone, he has this trombone section play, and he finds out that they do have someone out of tune. And what is the nickname he calls? Better not be you, Elmer Fudd. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's this, it's a little overweight gentleman, uh, and he asks him to play, and, and he looks him in the eye, and he goes, are you out of tune? And... And then I think, does he say yes or I don't know at first? I thought he I said th- yes. And then think he just Simmons says yes, screams you can, in his voice. Face. Yeah, well, and I can tell he's so. just visibly yeah. terrified, though. Yeah. Like, it, how could you play with this guy just staring right at you? Yeah, and he, he, he's, so he asks him if he's out of tune, and he goes, yes. And he goes, then why the fuck didn't you say so? And he starts just chewing him out and basically kicks him straight out of the band. And... As as he leaves, J.K. gives like a little smile and he goes, for the record, it was you that was out of tune. He points to the first chair and he says, but this guy not knowing was just as bad. So again, the absolute psychopath role that J.K. plays here is unbelievable that, you know, this guy was in tune, but he kicked him out anyway because he wasn't confident in his own music. I have a so, question here. Do we think that Fletcher had the guy come in for the first time that day solely for this purpose to make an example or and it was for the benefit of andrew or do we think this kid was legitimately in the band a staple part i don't know yeah i guess like all of the other players would know then right and would be like part of the plan i get it feels a little ridiculous but it also feels like uh fletcher is conniving enough to do it yeah right We'll we'll go through a lot of things where I think Fletcher had a part in why a certain thing happened, but I I would imagine that he definitely had planned to do this, but just was waiting for like 
the right person to show them here's what's going to happen if you fuck up you mm-hmm. know like he because he demands absolute perfection constantly um but so he throws this guy out of the band and then there's like a little break in the action and he so jk simmons pulls andrew aside outside of the band room and starts just being i would say super nice he's like what did your parent what do your parents do and andrew explains his dad's a writer um and then his mom he never knew his mom so he starts saying like this is why the greats were great whatever and he's got like his hand on the wall against him like being all nice like just go out there and you know have fun and he's just being crazy nice so uh, he he asks i does he asked him why charlie parker was great and andrew answers because joe jonas threw a symbol at his head or something was it Joe Jonas? I'm I Joe feel like Jones. I'm naming, I thought Joe Jones. I'm just naming one of the Jonas brothers. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of get like him being nice to him, and this is a big deal to me because clearly he's again setting him up for failure in this next scene. Yeah, this well, is an information getting, gathering. Yeah, getting info on him that he can use later on. Yeah, for sure. So then we we get to the first rehearsal of Andrew um, playing and awesome scene here because he they they take whiplash at half the speed and he starts playing the first section of it and fletcher seems to be loving what he's doing he says we've got charlie parker in here you know like he's uh Naaman's playing really well doing a little bit extra type jazz drumming and then he stops him and says not not quite my tempo for a specific part of the song so he starts letting him he starts letting him play again uh and he he just keeps going back at him keeps going back at him saying not my tempo and then he's like wait for my cue and he's like clapping it out andrew's like playing and he's like no stop playing wait for my cue whatever so he just lets him start playing again after he deems like you know it seems like hey andrew's doing it right now out of nowhere he chucks a chair directly at his head <laughs> and Andrew j- ducks it. And, and I love JK Simmons. Why do you suppose I just threw a chair at you? Like, that's the question he asks him. I and Andrew, go- Andrew goes, I don't know. And he, go- and he asks him if he was rushing or dragging. And again, Andrew answers, I don't know. So he starts telling him to count. And this scene's important because it involves JK Simmons actually slapping, um, Miles Teller, which, I wanted to point out in the original they had planned on him not slapping him but for the actual version they put into the movie teller and simmons both decided to actually have him hit him and hit him pretty hard so multiple times he tells too. yes he tells him to count to four and right as he's saying for uh fletcher smacks him in the face he goes was i rushing or dragging and he goes i don't know and he goes count again <laughs> so he just starts counting again and eventually he finds out that he's rushing uh basically just just leads to he's really breaking down miles teller here at one point miles teller even starts crying and uh he tells him to scream as loud as he can for the band that he's upset and it's just a wild scene yeah i mean all the information that he just gathered you know being nice about his mom leaving and his dad being like a high school teacher he really just uses that now to just totally bring neiman down to earth who like 
all up to this point, you know, we just saw he's feeling himself. He just asked a girl out. He got invited to the premiere band at the school, and it's just come crashing down in the matter of, like, five minutes. Right. It. There are some lines in this that we didn't discuss and things that I nor- wouldn't want to repeat. Like, where Fletcher's character is just tearing him down so terribly that it makes you want to avert your eyes. Like, yeah. I can't watch someone be this terrible to someone else. And I think right. that's the sign that it was incredibly well acted. Yeah. Well, and you go look at a guy like J.K. Simmons, the only other role that's, like, similar to this for him is Spider-Man, where he's, like, a dickhead to Peter. But it's not even close to this level, you know? Like, he's angry the entire time in Spider-Man. But from everything I've read, J.K. Simmons is a legit good guy. Like... So for him to be able to get into this headspace of just being a maniac is incredible. I, I mean, he deserved the Oscar that he got for this one. Um, and do we think but, this happened to every other member of that band? Because like none of them like looked at Andrew. They looked stu- right forward. Absolutely wouldn't break. And, and that's why I think I wanted to point out from the beginning. It seems like he's either talking directly to Andrew, or if this if this was centered around any other character in that band, it'd feel the exact same way because they had that moment with him at some point. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in the band, likely. Right. Um, I definitely fall under the category of like he has obviously acted like this for a while, so everybody has seen this. Maybe not specifically to each one individually this harsh because you know we'll talk about you know what the meaning of that is but i think definitely all of them have been subjected to some sort of you know visceral you know anger that he's showing here maybe not this extreme but yeah i i would say that anyone in this once they've made it to this role they've they've had to go through some sort of ringer so to say yeah um so then basically uh after that, though, Neiman, what does he do? Like, he moves his bed out of his dorm room, wherever he's staying, moves it into where he can practice drumming, and he tries even harder. And this is where I think you just have to point out, like, yeah, Simmons is being hard on the students, but he wants this sort of response. Like, he wants that response of, I'm going to make this my life's work to be great. You know, this is what he's pushing for, and that's what Andrew does. And we see here him trying to hit that double-time swing. You see him getting horrible blisters on the middle of his hand, taking Band-Aids. You get a nice zoom-in shot of the Band-Aid where he's taking, like, three at once and putting them over his hand. Um, And eventually we'll get a scene where he's just putting his hand in ice water and it's, like, turning to complete blood. Uh, But, yeah, no, real dedication to what you know he's trying to get to here is you know that's what jk has pushed him to do from literally tearing him down now at what cost again we'll talk about that later um but then we move to the date he has with uh nicole is that is that correct Mm -hmm. nicole is her name okay and i love the dialogue they have here because andrew basically asks her what does she do and she says you know, I don't know. And he says, like, well, why'd you pick this school? Why'd you do this or that? And it's interesting because I think Andrew is so, it's so clear in his head that he wants to be a great drummer. That's what he's meant to do. 
that he cannot fathom the fact that someone doesn't know what they want to do yet in life and and i think this is this is a a really big deal because we experience this multiple times in our lives like when you meet someone who knows what they want to do and you don't know what you want to do yet it it it's tough because you're like fuck i want to feel that way you know i want to feel like i found my purpose but she's not there yet and he just cannot fathom that and and it, almost puts her down for it to some degree very yeah. indirectly but you can tell she's not happy with what he's saying right and, and eventually he does turn it around a little bit and uh he he ends up being really nice to her at one point she rubs his foot so you know they're they're falling a little bit for each other um but then we move directly to I, I don't really think we need to spend too much time on that scene but that really is kind of the only scene we see of them liking each other i would almost say right is that I'm, accurate yeah yeah um so then we move to uh their first band concert right and one thing i wanted to point out what is that am i right or am i head here nope you're good uh, okay um neiman sees outside in the hall uh fletcher talking to an old student and he's just being super nice to this little girl and it's it's absolutely hilarious uh the way like he's talked to the student and clearly the student has respect for him or whatever then he walks in the door of the band room and just goes listen up cocksuckers so he like does a full 180 as soon as he's done talking with this girl uh, this this little girl and uh his old student and then he holds up this folder and he says, if I find another one of these fucking folders or whatever, I'm going to kill somebody, basically. Then this little guy, like, walks into his sight and he goes, get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you. My favorite line of the movie right <laughs> it's there. so good. I absolutely love it because you, you, the guy thinks, like, he can't see him and he's, like, backing out a little bit and he's, and then he just throws that line out of there and he's, like, gone. Um, so then before... before the the first like half of the band concert is played i believe and then as they're done neiman's getting a soda and is holding um what's the other drummer's name i think it's Uh, tanner tanner he's holding his folder and he sets it down to get a soda and when he gets that soda as tanner's asking where the folder is he can't find it pretty clear to me jk stole this folder right like it i i feel like the big it question you know you have to think did fletcher steal the folder and i think that's what everybody i like how they don't tell you but that's what everyone kind of has to ask themselves when they think about this well and you here's guys where think? i would here's my other theory on it did did neiman just like no because he was on the screen the entire time but the other theory could possibly be andrew wanted this so bad that he threw the damn thing away or something uh, I think the fact of him leaving it on the chair behind him is enough to say, like, he wasn't trying to be malicious. He was just being careless, maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so then as they go back to J.K. Simmons, he tell Tanner tells him, Neiman lost my folder. And, and I love how J.K.'s like, the, the folder is your responsibility, Tanner. I mean, why would you give it to a dumb fuck like Neiman? Like, <laughs> he's going to clearly lose it. Um, well, I think but he says he, something like you give... I don't want to, you know, put anybody down, but like, why would you give a physical or a mentally handicapped person a calculator? They'll try to turn on a TV with it or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it, it, just the dialogue's so smooth and so downputting. It's crazy how ridiculous it is in this. Um, but basically, Tanner says he can't play the music without 
the actual music. And Neiman straight up says, I can, I can do it, because he's been practicing the song left and right. So Neiman takes over for Tanner, and he pretty much rocks it. Uh, Schaefer ends up getting first place in the actual competition, and, you know, all is good for a second there. Um, and as they go back to band practice on Monday, uh, Tanner's still sitting on the kit, and at one point he literally says, don't you fucking touch this folder. Like he, <laughs> I think he says it twice or something. Um, and even the piano player at one point says something like they're like the folder thief or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, and, and then as JK walks in, he says, Tanner, what are you doing? I don't have time for alternates. So Neiman has taken over as first chair in the drums. And again, you know, Andrew's feeling himself because like he got some respect from, um, he got some respect from JK Simmons here and I think we transition here into probably my favorite scene, which is the dinner scene that he has with, um, I, are these his cousins? It's his aunt, the... uncle, and cousins. Yep. Yep. Okay. And the uncle is played by someone famous that I don't currently have the name for. Is Who is that guy? Chris Mulkey. He's in... Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. I don't exactly know what so maybe he's not that famous of an actor if i can't even name a movie that he's in um but i really love this dinner scene because i feel like we as a society um really make certain things out to be cooler than they actually are for an example the cousin is a quarterback at a division three football school and to equivocate that to our viewers who maybe don't watch college football it would be like, um, you know, there's the there's a top chef and then there's someone working at McDonald's. That's what the Division Three quarterback <laughs> is. So, I mean, you still have to be good at football, but at the same time, you're not going anywhere with it. Let's face and, it, this is the only football trivia I know. But Jake Kumaro was uh, wide receiver at Whitewater, which was D3, and he did go on to play for the yes. Packers for a couple seasons. Okay. And now he plays elsewhere. Yes. That is everyone's go-to is like the Jake Kumaros of the world. I'm just trying to say it's not that big of a deal if you're a superstar in D3 football. It's not. Well, right. None um, of those kids are getting scholarships. It's only because they just want to play football, you know? Right. And and so the uncle is asking Andrew how the drummer's going, and he's explaining like it's going really well. But, you know, the family members just don't really seem to care. You know, they're like, oh, whatever. And as soon as this football star walks in, there's like, there's the guy, tied the school record, 93-yard touchdown. And at one point, Andrew literally just goes, dude, it's Division Three. And again, I think this is a sign of, like, Andrew totally feeling himself. Because he probably wouldn't have said this at a dinner in the past if he hadn't, um, you know, been feeling some success of his himself because he feels like he's in the pros of what he's doing mm -hmm. because he's in the top music school he's in the top music band like this is a big deal but nobody seems to care because it's drumming basically and then he goes off on how, about how charlie parker will be remembered at is remembered at this dinner table and they mentioned that he died of an overdose and he mentions to what's the line that he says he says something along the lines of i'd rather be talked about at a dinner table than live to be 90 just to have my friends talk about me it's a very interesting perspective line yeah like you know i'd rather die when i'm 37 drunk and overdosed on heroin versus yeah living to be 90 and having no one remember my name you know it's like i'd rather live than just you know 
basically go through life and just have the basic normal boring you know american way so i he's definitely like has some sort of confidence and it's it's like really interesting that he doesn't really give a shit about what these people think or having friends. You know, he truly is just driven by becoming one of the greats, you know, and I think that's just evident throughout the whole movie and really hammered down here at this part too. Yeah. And, um, he, so at one point the, the quarterback guy goes, so how does the studio decide who wins? Isn't it subjective? And I love how Naaman just goes, no, like the guy clearly has no idea what Andrew's doing, but he's like, no, straight up. And then he, at one point he goes, you will never be in the NFL. Um, so it, it's, it's just good ribbing back and forth. But eventually I think his dad says, are you playing for, you know, whatever have you heard band from you Lincoln wanted? Center. Right. Right. And that's what kind of pushes Andrew over the top and he kind of walks away from the dinner. Yeah. Um, that's. But- yeah, that he's like that's really important. Like he was willing to go to bat versus like his uncle and his cousins. Like he didn't really give a shit about that. But like when his dad, you know, the only person he really has in his life digs in on him finally, he kinda like you know, it hits home, you know, he doesn't even have yeah. anyone really in his corner. Well it's a well, statement it's saying because... that his dad doesn't even necessarily one hundred percent believe in what he's doing. Even though right. I, even and though it... I think the dad does, he was just trying to like put him in his place and stop the awkwardness. And it, it digs deeper because the the parents aren't going to... The other people at the table don't know what Lincoln Center even is, probably. But when his dad says it, he's like, ah, oh, fuck off. Like, he, he's, he's like, my dad kind of has a point a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, this probably fuels him even more. Um, so we transition into this next band practice. And uh, they introduce a new piece of music, which is called Caravan. Uh, and, this is, and this is where J.K. pulls... Um, he pulls Andrew Naaman aside and he says that right there is a double time swing. And like, you can kind of see Andrew like confident about it at first. Like, yeah, like this is what I was meant to do. And, and JK even at one point goes this is why I brought you here. But then he's like, just in case though, I brought a backup and he brings in Connolly from the <laughs> original band. Um, and, and like, even just the way Connolly jumps in, he's like, you talking about me? He just kind of sticks his head around the corner. And even like, he goes, oh, you're talking about this piece of music? And he pulls it out of his backpack, and J.K.'s like, I had to give it to him earlier today. Even then, you can see how J.K.'s just fucking with Neiman, because you knew Connolly was never going to get this part. But um, but he's what had he does... more time to practice now, too. I mean, he had the music you know, hours before Neiman's even seen it, so now he's right. like already behind the eight ball and really has to like you know come up with something to try to prove right. that he earned it. So he has Naaman try the song, and he goes, I'm going to want to try Connolly on this. And then he has him play that exact part, and immediately just goes, perfect, it's exactly how I wanted it, and he kicks Naaman right <laughs> off the first chair. Um, so as as Naaman's about to go argue with, uh, with J.K. Simmons here, he finds J.K. Simmons actually crying. And um, he he's trying to tell him, this is bullshit, this is my part. Uh, and and he just tells him to get out because clearly something's bothering Flesher, and we'll get back to that uh, in a moment here. But then we have, which is actually the final scene of Nicole as the girlfriend on screen. This is just an absolute crazy way that Andrew explains how their future is gonna go. He's a fucking monster he, in this scene. Oh, he is. He just rips her apart. He goes like, 
I love drumming, and at some point you're going to tell me that I pay attention to drumming too much than I pay attention to you, and then you're going to resent me for it because I'm not going to want to stop drumming, and then basically it's all leading to the fact that they're just going to hate each other at one point. And then she kind of describes it in a way of like, and there's no way I could change anything about it because I'm just this terrible person who's going to pry you away from drumming. And then he literally just goes like, yeah, that's pretty much it. So he's in a way broken up with her here because he wants to push himself harder to be a good drummer. Um, But yeah, it's just really a savage scene of like, this is exactly how it's going to go. There's nothing you can do to fix it. Yeah, so, she's just like visibly upset, like almost asking, like, how do you, like, she asks, like, how would you know this is what would happen? You know, and I think that's just, you know, he doesn't even give it thought that she'd be like willing to sacrifice things for him. You know, he's just so set in stone at like, this is how things are going to happen. And it's, I think that just goes to show, like, he is a little, you know, out of touch with you know, just social interaction. And it's it's kind of sad to watch, but at the same time, you know, like that's, you know, a lot of people that are great at things have just given their lives to their trade and then they just make sacrifices in their personal lives. So, I mean, in, in a sense, it's probably what would happen, but it's crazy to see it actually just spelled out for you like in one scene. Well, and it's it, all preemptive the, too. None of these things yeah. have happened yet because like, if we think about it, this entire movie takes course over like nine months maybe like fall semester through to the following summer and so they've only been dating for a maximum of a couple of months like that and he's doing this to her a couple months in like it's just insane yeah and i think eventually even when we get the phone call towards the end that he he calls nicole again that's where we really understand that he doesn't understand social interaction whatsoever like <laughs> we'll we'll get to that but here was a really good example of like he's not even going to try to to have these issues he's just going to clear them out before they even come which they are in his own head um but then we go back to another another training scene here of Neiman, and this time there's this is where you see the the hand going into the ice bucket, blood going everywhere. Like he's trying really fucking hard to get this part, pushing himself as hard as he can to get that double time swing. Sweat everywhere, blood everywhere. I mean, it's it's something. Um, the the training that he does to to get this part right is pretty wild. Um, and we'll see the payoff in the next scene here. Well, it's all the same day too. Because they had, like, a morning practice, and then they were supposed to come back for 9 p.m. rehearsal. So since he first got the music, he broke up with his girlfriend, and now he's just really just kicking it into gear, like, trying to learn it. Right. And um, I think this is a very important start to a scene here. Fletcher comes into the class, and he tells them to put their instruments down. And you can see in the class how they are, like, like they're shocked that he's saying to put them down because he clearly never does that and he plays a cd and this cd is an old student of his uh who was playing i believe this was at um carnegie hall or something i'm not sure a fancy music place a, a nice solo that an old student of his played but this is what i meant when i said every single scene it's him talking to neiman because even in this scene, as he's describing an old student of his, he says things along the lines of, like, he came in, had no confidence in himself. Like, 
I think he even used the word squeaker in his little uh, dialogue Mm -hmm. here, which is exactly what he calls Andrew. And he's trying to show, I think here, that even though he's pushing students really hard, he cares about them a lot. Like, he's crying in front of the band. Like, he's trying to prove to them that the work that has his previous students have done mean a ton to him. And um, as he's, like, playing this monologue, he says he's a beautiful player, but he also died this morning. And we'll learn later it's because he hung himself. But he says um, it's in a car accident. He lies right. to the band. Right, because that's kind of a big deal um but yeah just a pretty emotional scene here because you're like wow he really does you know care about his students but then you know with you saying there he says car accident does he really i don't know like this is a tough scene to know if this is true emotion or not i don't i really don't know i think it is i think he as pompous as he is he treats these people like he owns them and therefore, even yeah. after they're done, he takes credit for their successes. So this guy, unfortunately, killed himself. That does not provide much time f- to create successes that Fletcher can take uh, take credit for. So then we, we go into, uh, right after he's done, like, having this, you know, kind of monologue and crying in front of the band, he directs them straight to the double-time swing of Caravan. And he, so he tells them to go directly to this spot, and he has Connolly on the set, and the first, he has him play for about a few notes and says, that's not quite my tempo. So he says, I want to try Neiman on this, and then he doesn't get it right, and then he tries Tanner on it, and he doesn't get it right, and he basically tells the band here, take a, take a break, take an hour take a dump i don't care like this we're gonna be here for a while and if i'm correct they end up this scene is apparently taking place over around five hours was that it was like 9 p.m till almost 2 a.m something like that yeah that's how long Um, they rotated through this drumming section so a couple of the uh lines i wanted to point out that he uh tears some guys down first he says to Connolly, you know you legitimately do look like a leprechaun that's one of them that i wanted to point out (laughs) um tanner who i'm not sure if he's actually gay or not he tends to just like say that he is that's his insult towards tanner so he says we're not going to be serving what does he say uh cosmopolitans and baked alaska like Mm -hmm. or something like that yeah because it's not a bet midler concert Oh my god, so that's solid. And then Connolly at one point, while he's trying to get the part right, adjusts the seat height, and then he goes, oh, so that was the issue. It was the seat height, so now you've got it. And I loved that. Um, So, eventually, Neiman gets back on the kit, and he says to him, how about now we finally get it right? And so, deep down, Simmons knew it was going to be Neiman. I believed that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But here... Naaman starts nailing the part a little bit, and he sell, tells him to keep going, go faster, faster, that he's, that's what he's yelling at him. He's tearing apart the room. He takes a cowbell and starts beating it directly in his ear while he's trying to hit this perfect tempo, and you can just see this is killing Neiman a little bit. And from a couple of online threads I read about this movie, like past drummers' comments were like, that cowbell like hurt me to my core to see that someone would like ding a cowbell right in their ear as they're trying to hit the perfect tempo 
Um, but eventually, Neiman does nail it, and he, as he stops, he says to him, Neiman, you earned the part. And uh, there's blood, like, all over the drum set, and he says, alternates, can you please clean some of that blood off the kit and uh again here we have a little bit of success from andrew like he's being built up again he's happy he's got the part um and i think it's important that we signal out the line of you know fletcher says to him you earned this part like it's yours basically um because we'll come back to that eventually uh as they're leaving i wanted to point out something jim uh i he said, he said they're going to be traveling on a bus or whatever, and he said, save your, travel, save your travel receipts for reimbursement, or don't. I don't give a shit. Um, I put that in quotes, and I said, every accounting firm ever. Um, <laughs> Except that that's thought, not true. That they want those fucking receipts. I, yeah, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but so then we go back to uh Naaman's traveling to the concert here in a bus um and just how si- much of a psychopath he is he's like literally practicing the music on the bus going bop 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 or whatever and this lady's just like staring at him like what the fuck is this guy's problem because <laughs> he's like on a public bus saying it out loud or whatever bus gets a flat tire and you can just feel the anxiety of this moment of like oh my god like uh, everything he's worked for all to be taken down by a bus. Uh, so he, this bus gets a flat tire. Eventually, it gets back on the road, gets dropped off. And he's like, where's the cabs? And this lady's like, nope, you would have had to call the cab. And he's like, the cab's supposed to be here, whatever. Can't figure it out. He gets a rental car, um, and he sets his drumsticks down, which I believe was in the rental car shop. In their office, Is that where yeah. He, he, so he forgets them there. Uh, he eventually gets to band practice on time. And and, he, and at one point, J.K. Simmons goes, well, how are you going to play it without any sticks? And he's like, oh, shoot, because you left them behind. They're in my car or whatever. And um, he he says that Connolly's going to play the part. And he's like, you can't do that. That's my fucking part or whatever. And J.K. Simmons is like, I lent you the part. It's my part. Like, they, they kind of go back and forth on that a little bit. And Connolly at one point goes, hey, Andrew, just calm down. And he says... Johnny Utah, turn my pages, bitch. And Fuck I was you, like, Johnny Utah, turn my pages, bitch. Oh my <laughs> That's probably God. the best. So he, That's my best line. <laughs> so he really has the confidence of like, this is my drum kit. It's mine now. Like he, it's that's established in his his head, right? So eventually, Fletcher agrees to give him the part if he gets back by a certain time, five thirty. So he's when hauling, they march on stage. He, he's hauling ass back to this. Uh, car rental shop and uh gets his sticks he's coming back uh he's on the phone in the car of like how don't go on without me like i'm coming i'll be there in a second and out of nowhere a fucking semi just smashes his car (laughs) and this is this point of the movie i was like whoa did not see that coming uh and What's crazy here is, like, his car has flipped completely. He's got blood all over himself. He's probably got some pretty bad whiplash. Oh, Jim. Oh, <laughs> Do you Did you write that down? No. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I, I, so. I legitimately think that that's part of it, though. Like, hmm. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree. It is whiplash Probably for sure. means something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... 
the first thought he has as he's just almost gotten killed is like, oh, shoot, my drumsticks are still in the car. I need my sticks. And this guy's like, dude, are you okay? Like, and, and most people in an accident, you know, like when it's that serious are more concerned about that than like insurance purposes, whatever. And the guy, he's like, no, yeah, I just got to. It's, it's like a few blocks away. So he starts running to the concert after he's literally almost been killed. Um, and and he, he gets there on time before the band even starts, walks onto the kit, half his face in blood, and starts playing. What's incredible? He hangs in there for like the first for a minute while. of the song. Yeah. yeah, like he still has the rhythm but then he drops his drumstick, and after that, he completely loses it. Jim, you had something to say there? No, no, I didn't. I was just letting no. you go. Sorry. Okay. Just on on camera, it looked like Jim raised his hand, so I was calling on the class. <laughs> no, I was. Oh, I, I saw a car drive okay. by. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> it's like a dog. There's a car. I out can't there. help it. Oh. I, I got this new house, and I'm sitting in front of two windows here, so I can see my driveway, and like. I think the guy next door has come and gone like four times since we started recording this podcast, and it's distracting. Oh my gosh. I need to get on the phone with him and tell him to quit it. Everything that that tells me is he's probably got a meth lab in his house. He's making some trips to the store. Oh Christ! Them to be I can't see what he's unloading right now. I hear his car door though. Interesting. We might, what if it's like a Disturbia scenario where like you see him get something out in like you know a garbage bag? Maybe it's a deer. <laughs> I can't tell. Maybe I can't. it's a body. Anyway, sorry. Um, so, yeah, he's hung in for a little bit, drops his stick, and really loses momentum of the drumming. And and the whole song just completely stops because he can't keep up with it. He's dropped his drumstick. Uh, and J.K. Simmons legit just is standing over him and goes, you're done. And you can just feel that, like, hit. And you're like, oh, fuck. Like, he really is done. There's no chance he can come back from this. And then he yells, fuck you, Fletcher, and tackles him on stage and tries to, like, legit beat him up. He's screaming uh, at him bizarre. that he's going to kill him. <laughs> yeah, bizarre scene here. Um, and that's kind of the end of both these guys' time in band here because we f- go right to the next scene. Uh, it's I, I would say this is some sort of... Uh, maybe like a social worker potentially or a that's lawyer, talking to you know if someone's yeah. going to try and sue right and we learn that the the former kid that uh JK was crying about and talking about he actually hung himself and was incredibly depressed um and what the lawyer's trying to make the connection of here is it's because of the pressure that was put on him from Fletcher now i don't think she's wrong well like, andrew literally just got in a car accident and felt he still had to show up for Fletcher and to prove it to him. And he was clearly, like, injured, you know? And Fletcher was still able to just tell him, you're done, even though he had just gone through a car accident for him. Like, yeah, I'd say there's some grounds for an investigation. He's been, like, induced to make these life-threatening decisions, like not care about his own safety via his terrible driving here and like trying to get that done and he almost died because of it just because he wanted to be in this band like that's beyond extreme yeah now here's the thing though you have to side with you don't have to side with jk simmons here but what he was pushing them to be to be greater than everyone else 
this is kind of the level of commitment that you you have to have to be that head and toes above every normal person now it comes at a severe cost clearly but like simmons believed that this was the way to make greats and the greats would be able to overcome all those things and still be great but this is the cost it came at like him dumping his girlfriend him getting hit by a car uh subsequently after tackling the guy we also see he gets expelled from the school right and so just a lot of things went wrong but that's what fletcher believed and we'll get to that in a second um but basically they're pushing him to say that this was jk simmons fault and eventually andrew gets down to it and says tell me what to say and that's a pretty severe line of like you know what you're right like he's really fucked with me one thing i also want to stress is they say that uh the hearing would not be public so fletcher would never know it was andrew that spoke up right which it that is very important (laughs) um so then we kind of see Andrew going through a little bit of a phase change. He throws away his drums, throws away his posters. Uh, well, he doesn't throw away his drums. He puts them in the closet. Um, and, you know, he's just kind of changed his life. He moves into his own place, uh, out at a new place, whatever. And then we get a little scene where he's walking through the city, and I think he's eating a corn dog. Is that accurate? A slice of pizza. I think I... Oh, it's a slice of pizza. I think I just want a corn dog. I think that's what's Maybe. going on right now. Yeah. Um, but so he's walk. He sees a poster for this JVC music festival that's going to be played at Carnegie Hall, and he's like, "Huh, that's interesting." And walks by a bar and sees that uh, Fletcher is the special guest music appearance that night. Um, is he insane to walk in there like? to actually want to see him again i mean that's where i was like he clearly wanted more respect from this guy like he still wants that respect from him wants to see him like there's just a connection there i think it's more so he wanted to see how far he had knocked him down sorry maybe maybe that's a good point because i was gonna say like well he whether or not he know he would have either testified against Fletcher or not. Even if that part never came up, he still left on the terms of tackling him on stage and saying he was going to kill him. So set yeah. a, set aside the lawsuit. Like, <laughs> you really think he's going to want to see you? Or if you walk in there, you what if you run into him? The last time you guys interacted, you know, you were trying to kill him on stage. So either way, like it's kind of an awkward, you know. But he he goes in there. For yeah. Sure. And and actually, he's uh, Fletcher is playing a, a piano song. It's it's actually very beautiful, um, a, a good, just a nice vibe type song. And uh, as he's done, he's looking in the audience and he makes direct ki- eye contact with Andrew. And Andrew like freaks out a little bit, tries to get out of there, but a crowd kind of prevents him. And you hear Fletcher say, "Andrew." And so then they go into the this small discussion with each other. And again here fletcher is being very human he's like apparently some students didn't like me what are the odds of that and they both like kind of laugh about it and it's like fun and funny whatever and um then i think i think fletcher's most important dialogue of the entire movie is right here when he's talking about what if when charlie parker was playing a sim uh, a solo and he would have never gotten that symbol thrown at his head right like if the guy had just said you know what 
that was pretty good. Like, maybe then he wouldn't have become, like, this great and played one of the greatest solos ever. And he says the two worst words in the English language (laughs) are good job, which big-time perspective and big-time thoughts on that are, like, that's our society now. It pretty much is. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because, like, you know, there's not these dictators of coaches and teachers or anything like that. Um, but, like, he's kind of right. Like, if you don't push people to be better, they're not going to necessarily want to be great, I guess, would be his thought process behind it. Right. Once you tell uh, someone good job, they think they've reached the pinnacle, right? So his right. his entire motivation strategy is make them feel like they're doing absolutely terrible that will either motivate them to be be the best, at which point he still will not reward you, or it will discourage them to not do it. And if you're able to be discouraged, you don't deserve to be a great. Right. And, and actually, at one point, um, Naaman says, is there a line? Like, is there a line that you cross where I would be discouraged? Just like Jim said, and he said, he says to him, like, not if he is one of the greats, he, there wouldn't be that line. Um, but all of this is eventually leading up to he's asking Neiman to be in his band, which like after everything, you're kind of like, holy shit. I mean, and Andrew agrees to do it. And this is where we have the call with Nicole that I think is like super important to show just how much of a lack of social skills that he has because he calls to her and says, I'm sorry, Like, that's how he starts it off with, like, I was kind of being a dick. And then he goes, but do you want to, like, just get pizza sometime and, you know, come see my show? He has no idea how horrible, like, the thing he said to her is very unforgivable. Like, she's not going to come back from that. And and, uh, the worst line ever comes when she says, I'll have to check with my boyfriend. And he's just like, ah. Okay, like that's that's the the stab in the heart for him right there. Yeah, I think but. in this scene, it's proof that Andrew is maybe one of the biggest pieces of shit on the face of the planet. Yeah, he calls this no, girl only when he himself is feeling good. When he's feeling exactly. bad, she's worthless to him, and he dumps her and doesn't want to speak to her, and he just has no idea how to recognize the value in people for what they provide. And I think it makes him a little bit of a villain in the movie. I, I really well, think okay. he's, he's not a good guy. And I, I, he's and, supposed to be the hero of the movie. See, some things I've learned, though, Jim, through life, and this is going to get a little deep right here. I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I've, I've had plenty of friends who were girls in the past life, and I have had plenty of those girls that dated guys that I knew and you know like I knew them to be pretty good people right like but then I learned some of the things that they do in a relationship and I'm like holy shit how is that possible like they're this good of a person some people genuinely don't know that they're being an asshole like I believe that Andrew didn't believe at the time when he's calling her that he's being an asshole he's thinking I'm giving her this validation of saying sorry like I'm giving her that and in his own brain, he's like, that's enough to be like, let's go get pizza again. He has not, like, learned the lesson of you can't just talk to someone when you want to talk to them. Exactly. And this is an important lesson for him to learn. So I don't think it makes him a villain. I just think it makes him very poorly socially skilled. 
or like he's clearly not ready to date because he's so enamored with this drumming obsession that he has that he needs to learn that there's like human values you have to live up to well but the more important thing is that he can be enamored with drumming and still have a relationship like right and that's what he fails to understand is that right i don't know he only wants her around for his successes right like yeah yeah and i i think that's why i i loved this scene in the movie though like i loved how they pointed out you know he just doesn't get it he he doesn't get it whatsoever of like how to be a boyfriend or like how to care about someone the proper way he only knows how to care about drumming currently like that's all he's got um so an interesting scene and obviously she did not come to the concert Uh, we we find we find that out um but so we get to this last scene and again i want to say this is probably one of my favorite endings to a movie ever because the the culmination of everything is so perfectly done uh but basically the to to put it together there it's a it's like a kind of higher level of band than what he was in or is it not it's just more like a professional these are actual professionals not students right in a competition that would possibly garner musical contracts if they do well and it's Carnegie Hall. You know, it's a big deal. It's like every music, one of one of their bucket list places to play would be Carnegie Hall. Um, and he says to them before, like, if you do well tonight, you could get a call from Blue Chip Prospects, whatever, basically. And um, we see Andrew, like, looking in the crowd, his dad's in the audience, whatever. And the reason why he wanted to bring Andrew on was because of, it's the same music that he played at Schaefer. Like it was Caravan, Whiplash, at least that's what he told him at the time. And as they come on stage, he comes to the front of the microphone, but before he does, stops at Neiman's and he goes, you don't think I knew it was fucking you? Like he, and this scene, you're just like, oh my God. Like he had played him again and like knew that Neiman got him thrown out of Schaefer. So again, that nice guy act at the jazz club, totally fake. Like he knew exactly what he was doing. Now, I don't think he knew he was going to walk into that jazz club, but if he saw Neiman again, he knew how he'd get to him by bringing him into this band and just sabotaging it in front of everyone. So you see him just smiling and he goes, we're going to start with a little higher tune upswinging. And just the way that he smiles and like, uh, is directing the band here. He's just super animated. Like, uh, JK Simmons is as Neiman has no idea what the music is. Cause he doesn't even have the sheet in front of him. He's never played this music before. So he's trying to keep up the whole band's like, what the hell are you doing? Oh my God. Eventually, the song completely gets... I mean, they play the whole song. Fletcher never tells the band to stop, and I think that's just straight torture for Andrew the entire time. Like, he's just trying to get through this thing, and eventually it stops, and he's staring right at Andrew, and Andrew walks off stage defeated again. Um, And his dad kind of sprints around the other side to give him a hug, and he just holds on to his dad for a bit here, And this is why it's one of my favorite endings, because, like, that could have been his defeat right there. Like, that could have been it. He could have never drummed again. Like, Fletcher could have totally just taken it out of him. But he walks back on stage super confidently. And as Fletcher is describing the next song, 
how they're going to slow it down, he starts Caravan. He starts the drumming of Caravan, and it's just such a cool start to the song. And he tells the band, like, he's going to cue them in or whatever. And at first, um, he at first you see jk simmons coming over to him while he's playing this song and he's like i will fucking end you or something he and says he i will gouge out your motherfucking eyes <laughs> yeah and as he's saying it he smacks the symbol right next to him and i just love that he kind of backs off a little bit but as the song is going um you see simmons starts directing the band again and andrew's just completely nailing this entire song perfectly and it all basically comes to a stop. The lights go out, but Andrew still keeps drumming. And this this is like such a cool scene of his solo. I mean, the talent that he's showing off in the entire thing, there's no way I can describe it without just saying you have to see it. Um, like Simmons is right there along with him, kind of telling him what to do. At one point, he has him slow it way down to where he's literally just slowly beating on the drum which is just super cool, and then he brings it back up. All this, like, crazy drumming. I mean, it's, it's really hard to describe. You just have to see it. Yeah, and, the, and, well, just the cool thing is, too, is, like, like you said, you know, Fletcher at first is just, like, pissed off that he's out here showing him up. But then, like, the best thing about the scene is when you can just see Fletcher start to realize, like, something special is actually happening. And, like, even when, you know, the, the lights cut out and, like, the song is supposed to end... Andrew just keeps playing and like Fletcher like kind of comes up and he's like, well, what are you doing, man? And he's just like, I'll yeah. cue you in. And then Fletcher like realizes like, oh shit, like this is big. Like this is the moment or like that I've been waiting for from one of my students. Like, and he just kind of lets him go. And we see just like this build up greater and greater. And he like, like you said, Scott, like coaches him along the way, like a little bit. And then just like brings it in yeah. for the final, you know, show. And it's, it's just, it is just an amazing scene. Yeah, and and um, the the payoff um, you don't. This is the end right here. And once he stops drumming, he's like got the sticks right on the the drum set, and he looks directly at Fletcher. And all you get is a shot of Fletcher's eyes, and it's basically just him giving that verbal like yes. And then he nods. Yeah, that his head, is what I, I think wanted. That seals he it. nods. He nods, and then it just shows him finishing the solo at the end. And that's, like, what he was trying to get the entire time. And he gets it in the end. Now, it costs a lot, but, like, that payoff is just so beautiful to me. And the first time I saw the ending, I was like, man, that's the ending. But the more and more I've watched this movie, it's just so, so perfectly done to me that, like, that's the ending because you're not going to get an ending of him going up to him and saying like good job that was great you're amazing whatever that's the only thing you're going to get is that's the validation you wanted for andrew the entire time and he does get it um so uh that's kind of the end of the movie uh jim should we go to you for the score first absolutely i really really love this movie we can't explain enough how great it is and how satisfying it is to see Andrew torn apart by Fletcher and then take a stab back at him just to end up going back into the lion's den and working with him again, knowing full well that it was a risky endeavor on Andrew's part. And then finally to get that head nod at the end, it's so satisfying and also disheartening at the same time because you 
I have to think that Andrew is going to end up in a similar place to that other player with massive anxiety and depression about never being good enough or never getting the validation of like praise from his mentor that he chose. But I think it's so well done. I give it a nine out of 10. Ooh. Okay. I'll go next. Um, I, I think of, of all the movies we've done, the two most recent would being the dark Knight and whiplash. What they do so well is uh, shine a light on a specific actor each movie. And I think that Whiplash, J.K. Simmons, just, like, the performance that he put on in this is unparalleled to, like, any movie that I've ever seen. Um, You know, the entire time you're just feeling anxious for Andrew because, like, he's constantly putting pressure on him every single move that he makes uh, but like deep down, you kind of still side with J.K. because at the you get that validation at the end, and like you say, hey, well, J.K. Simmons pushed him to be that great. But just the 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 on screen like give and take between Andrew between Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons was just so phenomenal that this is a ten out of ten for me. Um, it's one of the that is. My third straight 10 out of, fourth straight 10 out of 10. So um, we're, thank God we're doing one next week that I don't think is going to be a 10 because my 10s have become incredibly saturated. Uh, so Anthony, we'll just go to you. What What's what's your score? Um, yeah, so much to what you guys said. I mean, the performances speak for themselves. I won't drag this on too long. Um, I watched for the first, the first time I saw this movie, I kind of was starting to pay attention more, you know, to Oscar-nominated movies and performances. And I saw this movie and saw it was nominated and, like, was at Walmart. And I think I bought it on Blu-ray for $10 just because, like, oh, it looked interesting and it's supposed to be it's supposed to be good. You know, how many times do you go to see a movie that's supposed to be good? So I bought it on a whim and, like, went home that day and, like, watched it on, like, probably like a Saturday afternoon at like three in the afternoon. And I remember just being totally blown away, like way better than I would have expected. Um, to me, you know, I, it is a great movie. I, I give it a nine out of 10 too, Jim. Um, you just, cause like the, you know, it, it is very good. I've prefer other movies just like that. I like to call a masterpiece, but like to say I had any complaints about this movie, I don't really, other than maybe, you know, that someone getting in a car accident and then being able to just, like, run away to a performance, yeah. like, a couple blocks away. is just, like, a little... Like, some of the stuff is a little extreme that he would have done. But as far as, like, performance-wise and just the execution of, like, setting and pacing, like, this movie just completely blew me away the first time I saw it, and I enjoy it every time I watch it. Yeah. All right. So that wraps up our seventeenth episode. Uh, uh, we got trivia. And whoa, that's Scott, a don't surprise. try to back out. Was that was that in the that was in the? Well, we were supposed to do it last week, but I obviously had a little I would, hiatus. I, I I don't know if I would have won. That's uh, you know I I probably still would have lost. I, I'm not gonna <laughs> let us pass on this either because I'm so excited. They are all Batman themed trivia. So oh, a week Scott, you might have a chance then. I feel like I should. I hope so. But, all right. Same rules? Uh, we're actually going to change it a little bit. Um, I'm going to give the answers. If one of you gets it, you get two points. Um, the other person can steal for one point if they get it wrong. 
still raising our hands. Yes, um, and you can shot. raise okay. your hand at any point throughout the multiple choices. You don't have to wait till I'm done. Ooh, but that's your own risk. I like that. Okay, and I like it a lot. I also have for each of these ones a bonus point. No options. Ooh. You just need to know the answer. Okay, Fair so enough. there's ten questions. Kind well, of, yeah. Technically, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can you steal a bonus? You point? You cannot steal. Uh, no, we'll we'll let you steal a bonus point. Why not? Wow. Okay. Okay. No rules. First, which Robin was so unpopular with fans that they voted to kill him off in 1988 as part of the A Death in the Family storyline? Options are Dick Grayson, Damian Wayne, Jason Todd, or Tim Drake. <laughs> Fine. I'll Scott. go first. Is it Dick Grayson? No. Wow. Yeah, do I get a repeat of the... Yeah, I'll give you the options three. Again. They are Dick okay. Grayson, Damian Wayne, Jason Todd, or Tim Drake. I'm just going to say, like, Damian Wayne. Ah, that's wrong, too. Okay. It was, it was Jason yes. Todd. <laughs> um, well, Dick, okay, Scott, so who... Dick Grayson was from, like, 1960, right? Oh, I didn't uh, know, Dick Grayson I didn't was the original Robin and premiered yeah. in the 40s. 40s yeah um okay so so bonus point how what happens here uh well first there's a fun fact each phone call to vote cost 50 cents and like eleven thousand people voted um on what they they voted the fans of the comic book voted to kill this robin (laughs) and it 50 cents back then phone call that's a lot of money wow okay jeez all right okay so the bonus point jason's body the robin that was killed was retrieved by a villainous character and and was resurrected. When Jason returned to Gotham, what villain slash anti-hero was he now operating as? Mm. Stunned silence. <laughs> I just died. Shit. Okay, it must fine. Be... Do you have a guess? Anybody? I would just guess based on like how that story how that would go i really have no idea would he just become two-face no he became um um, red hood was the name of the character it's a different character scott way to go buddy yeah thanks (laughs) here we go jim's probably so mad at us i'm not mad i'm just wondering if i made these too hard yeah you did i'm gonna tell you right now you did okay <laughs> damian wayne is the child of batman and what villainess uh options are talia al ghul pamela isley selena kyle or harley quinn scott selena kyle Wrong. no i'm just gonna guess talia that's right there we go fuck and i'm gonna say this uh, he fucks her in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. So like Scott. they kind of did a little bit with this. Okay. Kay, here's the bonus point. Pamela Isley, one of the options from the question, is better known by what supervillain moniker? Can Can I steal if he doesn't get you it? Can. Okay. I don't. Even, I think I have a guess from the sh- the show Gotham, but I can't think of the lady's name. So you're more than welcome to. Poison Ivy. That is correct. Yeah. Let's go! That's my first one. <laughs> okay. Question number three. Batman first so appeared in point? which comic book series? Options are Batman, Detective Comics, Action Comics, or Superman. 
Anthony. Detective Comics. That is correct. Yes. Shoot. Okay. That was my. I took a. I took a comic book course for English three hundred at UWL. It was the best English course ever. I heard about all kinds of people Man. who got to do that, and I never did it myself. It was. I was so it was salty. The easiest English like college credit I ever could do. It was so I, fun actually. I got to take one on the zombie apocalypse, so that was fun too. Sweet. That, that, was, that was good shit. Okay, yeah. here's the bonus point. In what year did Batman first appear? Oh Jesus. You should have some idea because I told you Robin premiered yeah. in the 40s. So I'm just going to guess, like, 1942. Nope. Oh. Can I, and I can rebuttal? You can steal. 46. Also incorrect. It was 1939. Ooh. Ah. Uh, you were kind of close. Me? Yeah. I was going to guess 1940. Uh, mm. That would have been pretty, pretty close to on the nuts. Yeah. Um, Okay, question four. The vast majority of credit for creating the character of Batman is given to writer Bob Kane, who is the artist, not given credit by Kane until years after the artist's death, that created the original Batman look. Options are Joe Kubert, Stan Lee, William Moulton Marston, or Bill Finger. Uh, Scott. Bill Finger. That's correct. Wow, Let's go. two points, Scotty. No, I have three points. Yeah, but actually. that was a two have... pointer. Yeah, I'm just saying. I know, I know. It's four to three. This is close. This is an important bonus question. Bonus point. Which of the other three comic creators listed here, and I'll give you the names again: Joe Kubert, Stan Lee, or William Moulton Marston, used inspiration from his polyamorous relationship with his wife and their girlfriend to create Wonder Woman? Holy shit. Wow. Um, uh, Anthony. I might as well. Wait, no. Oh, did Scott get he, first choice, I suppose? I did, yeah, his own bonus I, question. Yeah. yeah. Right? No, Is either that... of you can go for the bonus point. Oh. Was that not clear? Well, then. Uh, Anthony, go then ahead. Screw go you, ahead. Scott. I'm just going to guess. You get a one out of three. One out of two chance, really. Uh, I'm going to guess with the William guy. Moulton that is correct, Marston. though. It is William Moulton Marston. <clears throat> that name uh, sounded shit. familiar, though. So that's why I was kind of waiting. That's why I would have guessed for the first part of that question there is an actually pretty good dramatization movie of him called william marston and the wonder woman it was streaming on hulu and i actually really recommend it they did take a lot of stuff out of context and like his descendants have said like it's not all completely accurate but it is a really interesting story about Hmm. the creation of wonder woman cool okay and last question originally appearing in batman number 92 from 1955 Batman and Robin have a dog. What is the dog's name? Is there options or are we supposed to Oh, options. Yeah, I'm being dumb. Um, (laughs) Options are Ace, Titus, Wolf, or Thomas. Uh, Scott? Is is it Ace? That is correct. Let's go! Ace the Bat Hound. We are are tied at five. There are other... um, uh, um, excuse me. Other animals in the bat family are Ace the Bat Hound, Bat Cow, and Titus is also a dog, but he did not premiere in that issue. Okay. Nice. And the bonus point is, what is the name of Superman's Kryptonian dog that also has superpowers? Hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm gonna guess. Okay. There's no point in guessing. Maybe is it is it just is Fido? No. No. It's no. Not. Wait. Okay. That's just a dog name that I thought maybe would be in a comic book. Is it? Is it? Um. Cleo. That is also wrong. It is Crypto the Super Dog. That's <laughs> so all original. <laughs> we. <laughs> Just... Would you have given it to us if we would just said crypto? I would have. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wouldn't have got that anyway. So. <laughs> oh god. So okay. it came out five five this week, but over the course mm-hmm. of time, points are Anthony eleven and Scott six. That was an important week for me to stay in the running. I feel like yeah, because you know I was fading away. Two absolute guesses. Um, big week for me. I feel like that poison ivy felt good, um, but was... still a tie. I'm disappointed. I'm proud what of you guys. I, I was worried after question number one. Hmm. Well, the multiple choice does kind of at least almost guarantee we're going to get something right. Yeah, so, you got a 25% um, chance. Yeah. Okay, all right. Now that we have done trivia that I didn't know was going to happen, uh, <laughs> we can talk about what we're going to watch next week. Guys, we're going to watch a movie that is somewhat newer, actually very new, uh wonder woman 1984 uh i can't necessarily say i'm super psyched for this but i'm excited to talk about it with you guys because i have heard some not so great things about it um i i don't know what you have heard but we shall see yeah we will put it through the ringer and let you know how it is i will say i will do my best to not let anything i've read or listened to so far try to influence my score but exactly. with that being said, I have read and listened to a lot of things <laughs> talking about this movie already. So we'll see. I got to watch it for myself. Yeah. I'm just excited to do Don't, a like, legit new release. I'm starved yeah, for, for sure. a brand new movie. I will say, yeah, no matter whether it's good or bad, I'm excited to watch a new movie. Mm-hmm. Let's put I it think that way. with that requisite, we should all like have to have a large soda and popcorn Fair while we watch this movie. I mean, if I have to, I'll do I'll it. I'll buy a but... two-liter bottle of cherry Pepsi because that's what I always get at the movie theater. Cherry Pepsi and That's pop- a specific yeah. choice. I feel like it is. cherry it's sodas do not get enough credit. And that's the only I... time I drink it is when I yeah, go to the movies. You... And in, in because it tastes better out of a fountain, too. Mm-hmm. That's... At, especially, especially a Marcus fountain. Yeah, right. It's a it's the ambiance, you know. It's the setting. Yeah, and you know what? I, I've i got a good feeling, guys. I think come June, we're going to be in theaters again. You know, I think I think it's going to be coming, and I, I, I've got a lot of snack cash that doesn't expire till about September, so I'm kind of banking on that because... Right now, it's kind of losing value. I feel well, like it's. Uh, I feel the way we've been plugging Marcus. You know, they think they'd extend our snack cash. You know, I've been checking my oh, mailbox. I haven't least. gotten any mail from them with yeah. my snack I, cash. I mean, it's uh, you'd think at least they'd extend my snack cash. That's a good point. Right. Um, I, I, me being someone who is also a holder of said popcorn bucket that you get not even free refills on i thought it was free it's, it's three dollars yeah. for a refill <laughs> so i mean that's still a good deal i guess but you gotta go to a lot of fucking movies and i haven't been able to go to any um also i just want them to know i bought one of their little party tubs that they were selling back in when the pandemic hit hard and i got a movie strip of like uh, like an actual film reel i have no idea what the movie oh they is, didn't tell you honest. and it doesn't it doesn't even that's say horseshit. on it it's just I don't even know if it's real, to be honest. It looks like it came out of a Happy Meal. 
Um, but I do have a, an authentic film strip I just want everybody to know. So if you try to rob me, that's probably my most valuable item. Um, <laughs> it's going to co- yeah. end up being so, like from, you know, the third Hunger Games or some shit. Or, yeah. what, what's a worse movie? I, oh, I feel like that's not even that bad. No, that isn't I, it's, bad. It's animated. It's animated, and I don't recognize the animated characters. That can't be good. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's like um, one of the but, coolest things I got when I bought my Interstellar. I bought like the, you know, one of the more collector editions mm-hmm. type, you know, like, and it came with a little film, like a one square film of, a, of like one of the scenes in it. It's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, I I always want to buy box set uh, DVDs. I feel like it's going to get harder. Uh, I'm getting married in June. I can't imagine justifying that purchase uh, of like, you know, $70 just to get some sort of T-shirt or something. But I'm going to try. And, and, you know, I'm just going to bank on maybe the credit card statement not being checked. And, you know, what's that movie? Oh, I had that in a previous life. Something like yeah, that, you know. Right. Um, yeah. But, okay. So that wraps up our 17th episode of the We've Seen That Podcast. Wait. No. Before we go, Jim, how can you reach you us? You can find us on Twitter at We've underscore Seen underscore That. Like us on Facebook or email us at seenthatpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's S-C-E-N-E, that podcast at gmail.com. You know what? Uh, let's do a little something here because um, I feel like with the 50,000 listeners that we have, uh, for the month of February, we're going to do a little... Uh, let, let's bring some guests back, people. Let's let's do that. I, I feel like now's the time... Uh, we've got about three more episodes left in January, but after that, when we get into the 20s, let's bring Guest Month back. And how we're going to do it this time, if you send us an email with a specific movie, we will bring you on the pod, and we will do whatever movie you want. I know we've got a couple in the wings that want to pick a specific movie, and you know what? If you were a previous guest, we'll bring you back on first three because i think we're only going to do three episodes in february would that be accurate probably because february is a weird ass month um and the way that it falls only being 28 days we'll do we'll do the first three emails with an actual movie you can be a guest uh i hope you're available on sundays that's the only time it's gonna work (laughs) but um yeah so we'll bring you on we'll pick whatever movie you want i know adam has already mentioned we're probably going to be watching some sort of anime so get ready for that boys because that's going to be exciting i'm jack um, different but, from our normal choices yeah, yeah like, we're going to bring guests back akira or something or akira i've seen that movie that's a good movie there you go i'd read a there comic book in that class and then we watched a movie uh-huh. okay <laughs> all right um but yeah let's let's uh let's bring the guests back and um you know we'll just let you pick whatever you want any movie whatsoever we'll talk about it so now with that being said that's our 17th episode of the podcast the we've seen that podcast god i'm struggling to the end here (laughs) boys but i'm scott i'm anthony and i'm jim and roll credits